Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. If you're watching us, which you should, at Getting Hammered Podcast on YouTube, you will see that we have changed positions. It means nothing ideologically. It's just because I needed to be plugged into something over here because I'm a person who lets everything run out of batteries. So here we are, different seats, same hearts. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's great to be back, although now that we have switched seats, I feel like it's not getting my best side. Oh, is that yes. going to be an Yes, I haven't figured out if there is one, but I just know this isn't the one. Well, I'm going to watch the YouTube now and figure out which is my best side, and then ah. we'll, we will adjust Again, accordingly. Uh, we Vic. do need on, these, uh, on the giant cameras that we have in studio, mm-hmm. the red lights, to let yes. us know, along with the teleprompters, about, you know, our cues and such. No, it's great to be here. Thank you for holding the fort last week. Oh, yeah. After that know, insane debate. Yeah. By the way, the debate feels so far away now. It does. Because just like, cause like there were two other three three things in the news that happened. No, we have like 17 things to talk about. Yeah, We're going we're gonna to do government yes. shutdown. We're going to do a getting hammered investigates about a fire alarm. It's going to be some good stuff. Yes. But before we get to that. Well, I was, I was out last week when you were taping. I was on my way to New York City. I went to a book party for our good friend Gerard Baker, Jerry Baker, the former editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal. Very nice. He has a terrific book out called American Breakdown. It's terrific, but also depressing. Oh, this is on my list to read, yeah. but I have to steal myself because I so truly believe that the problem he's diagnosing is our problem that yes. it's going to make me very sad. We have lost faith in our institutions, and it didn't just happen now. And it didn't happen actually because of Trump either. It, it started in like 2008 at least. No, the problem, Vic, is that all of us rubes have all these ideas about how the institutions have failed yeah. us, and they're all made up. They are made they're up. They're made The up. FBI, things yeah, like that. No. Here we go. There they we go. There we go, on the, there we go on the graph again, just mentioning the FBI. But So I did want to say this, though. Something crazy happened on the way up on the Amtrak. Okay. A woman back at Union Station, she kind of had this blow up because she claimed the woman next to her was talking loud, and she got a little racial. The woman... In question, Uh-oh. the woman in question is white, and she just lashed out and and she mentioned something about black women and being loud. And I'm like, what's happening? I thought she might have been also black. Like maybe she was having some moment or something. No, it right. wasn't. So the alleged loud talker is of what race? Maybe black. I don't okay. know. But I, I but but she happened to yell out, "Oh, I'm like a black woman." She says, and I said, "What is she talking about?" And it was this white woman. I said, oh, this is going to be interesting. Oh, dear. So then, turns out, we go on the train. She's in my car. Oh, nice. She sits down in the Acela. And you have no idea what she thinks of the Asian First of all, oh, I should have known, by the way. You know how you could tell something is off? A lot of bags. Okay. A lot yeah. of bags. Yeah. She plops them down, and she turns around and tells the same woman. It turns out the woman who was bothering her was sitting behind, and she just kept on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't talk again, I'm sorry, I'll I'll never open my mouth again. It's just, you were so loud, you were so loud. And finally... She should start not opening her mouth right at that moment. That's the moment. So one of the conductors, also black, noticed this was happening, something was going on, and he said, okay, well, what's happening? And she explained, oh, she was being very loud, and, and I'm not racist, she says. I'm not, and this is what she says, I'm not racist. My whole outfit is from the Afro collection. No. Yes, she pulled one of those, and then... Some of her best clothes are... Some of those. <laughs> so then the conductor goes, okay, he already knows, like alarm bells, right? He goes, okay, I'll be back, and he leaves. He's like, I need a supervisor with me right. for this one, yeah. Supervisor comes back. He's also black. And he says, 
oh, what seems to be the problem? And she goes off again. And then she insists again, I'm not racist. Black Lives Matter, she says. I have the Afro collection. I'm this wearing is so it. so uncomfortable. It is. Everybody, I'm shrinking in my seat. I'm shrinking in my this, seat. By the way, this woman is Miranda's character in the reboot of Sex and the City. Like, <laughs> so awkward, cringe, white liberal lady yes. trying to make these yes. points. Okay, go well. ahead. You were riding with Miranda. On yes, the, uh, except for uh, she was clearly not well. She didn't look like Miranda. And she was clearly also not well. So then she insists she's not racist. The conductor, the, the supervisor says, here's what we're going to do. You're going to mind your own business. She's going to mind your own business. And we're just going to have a nice, quiet trip up to the city. That's yeah, that what we're going to do. And she says, I'm sorry, you're being condescending. I'd like to speak to, and he's like, I'm not being condescending. And she says, I'd like to speak to your manager. He goes, I am the manager. And then she says, that's not possible. You're black. Oh my gosh. I kid you not. At which point, like there were audible gasps, including from me. Right. So what, and then at which point then the supervisor goes, that's it. He goes, you're out of here. He was like, I hope he did the umpire. He he kind of did. He kind of did. And he was gone. And you know, and, and she's like trying to, she's like saying, Oh, what did I say? I didn't do anything wrong. And then he comes back and says, okay, the police are coming. You can leave now or you can wait for them. And she says, I didn't say, he goes, you insulted me. You said that because I'm black, I can't be a, uh, can't be the manager. She goes, I never said that. And everyone on the train's like, yes, you did. Real-time fact check. It was so insane. And so finally she left on her own. I was so exhausted, but I wasn't planning on drinking because I'm going up to the city. <laughs> and the other, the conductor guy came over and he goes, yeah, how about a drink? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And he gives me uh, two old fashions and that was it. So I was just... It was so... In the words of the Swifties, look what you made me do. You, yes. He was forced. I was forced to. Yeah. It was so exhausting just to, because I thought... And I, first of all, so Amtrak gets a lot of criticism. I get it. But I wanted to give a shout out to Amtrak and particularly these men yes. who were so professional, handled it well, and we still arrived on time. Well done. Well. Well done. Done. So it's I don't, like, I it's often, like he is the manager. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. And then I went up and I said, you people are great. That's oh. what I said. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. No. I just... <laughs> oh, we're so, earning our flags today. That's it. We're earning our flags. But I just want to say a shout out to them. And I, I, I don't know how often they have to deal with insane people like that. But they, they, they clearly knew what to do and how to handle it quickly. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Well, so that was it. Uh, I'm glad you came out unscathed and buzzed. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was. I was both. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I also had a travel experience. I had to go to L.A. Oh, yes, of course. On short notice. And I apologize to listeners because I don't even know if I put that programming note in the last episode. But I was on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday night. You can still watch it. It's on your... We watched it on demand. That, nice. You can well. watch it on Max. I guess it's not Max. HBO Max That's anymore. Right, you yeah. can watch it on Max. There are clips online. We'll play a clip from the show here, too, as well. Ron DeSantis was on that. Governor Ron DeSantis was yeah. on that show as well. I got to speak with him and his wife for a brief minute. And I think he performed very well. We may pay, play a clip of, of him and then more importantly, me, obviously, as we, as we go through the show. But as part of my travels, two things, I had the opposite experience of you, which is on my way back, I'm in line at the TSA behind a family with four children. Oh, boy. And four children under, I would say, six. Mm-hmm. Six down to about uh, a little over mm-hmm. one. And I look over and I know I like all these four children are being well behaved, being sweet, 
the mom is well-dressed. And by well-dressed, I mean like she's got like a belt that matches her flats and some cute jeans and a white button-down shirt, which is a power move for a mom. Like you're flying with four kids in a white shirt. Okay. So then I realized why as we go through the line. They're amazing. I don't know where this family came from, but she and her husband are being uniformly kind to each other. (laughs) No one is frustrated. The children are behaving. I was right in front of them in the the security line and handed some bins back to them because I know with four children, you're going to need 18 bins. bins. Got to get the bins back. Again, uniformly kind to each other throughout the line. She is not pressed one bit. She is just making it happen, speaking kindly to her children, getting everybody through the line. And I thought to myself, this is my goal. This I've never flown with four children, and I have more of a gap than she does. So my older two would be fine and 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 good to go. Yeah, these are all. She's got four who need help. Span of yeah, and they're all fine. I'm like goals, man, goals. So then a year apart. I'm continuing <laughs> out of the the security area, and I figure out because this supernatural mom goes to the monitor and I do this with my kids sometimes too and says okay well this is the gate we're looking for yes you spotted on the look up Washington DC and they spot it and they say the gate she's on my flight to LA to no to back back home home. and so I I notice this and then I I see them at the gate as well the the show continues guys these children are amazing three of them are sitting there playing chess on a little portable board the other one, the toddler, is sweet as she can be, like just hanging out. They're calmly getting their children food. They're still not yelling at each other, the parents, at all. <laughs> they have evenly distributed their duties, and everything is going smoothly. And before I got on the plane, because when I was a child, this was the most important thing that could happen to us in public, was a stranger congratulating my mother on our behavior. Yes. So I went over to this mother, partly because I want to be friends with this supernatural woman. So if you're listening, hi, I'm on a podcast. Please contact me. But I went over and said, hey, I have four kids also, and I have not flown with all four of them yet. But when I do, I hope that they are as kind to each other as these four guys have been. I'm so glad you went up to her. What did she say? Well, she said, oh, well, they're all going to be on screens when we get on the plane. And I was like, get it, girl. You have made me feel better about this whole situation. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, do what you need to do. Yes. Because they have been amazing. But they have been good up to that point yeah. without screens. Oh, she ate that's pizza incredible. in a white button down. <laughs> that alone, even without kids, that's even scary. Even without kids, would, that's amazing. I wouldn't do that. So, you know, I want to be friends with her. But on the other hand, would I feel bad about myself mm-hmm. if I were friends mm-hmm. with her? Maybe mm-hmm. so. I thought you were going to say. You got to surround yourself with good people, though, and play up. Yeah. Yes. I, w- I was worried you were going to say she was going to. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They're all medicated right now or something. <laughs> no. no? Okay. Another friend of mine was like, was she on gummies? Right. <laughs> all right. What about the kids? You know? Okay. Anyway. Oh, that's wonderful great. to see. Encouraging. Uh, I also had a lovely dinner out in L.A. with Abigail Schreier, the author yes. of um, yes. Irreversible Damage. And her husband and family, Carol Markowitz and her oh. husband were there, and Dave Rubin. So I had quite a little wow. star-studded Everybody right-wing gathering out there. Somewhere uh, nice, I hope? Yeah, it was and it was at a family home. Oh, okay. And the Schreier kids, similarly, are amazing and hosted us and were very polite. And so, anyway. So they're not— Now I have goals all over the place. The, she's, she's planning to stay and fight 
in California advocate. Yeah, and I believe, of I believe she has like a Carol. Yeah, I believe she has a new book coming out as well, sort of an extension good, of irreversible good. damage that's yeah, about yeah. institutional capture by these types of ideas and how you can't really escape it in okay. much of the medical and psychologist. Did you want to talk community. now about um, DeSantis, or you want to talk later when we get to the show? Shall we play a quick clip of him? Yeah, sure. Let's. We're going to do some 2020 later, but yeah. let's, do, let's do this. I just want to say that I think, so he came off the debate, he goes to Bill Maher. Bill Maher makes a joke, which is a pretty decent one about, about, you know, if it were going well, you probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. But I'd like to say that I think it would go well if they were in plenty of those spaces because he did extremely well. And he's yeah. good in a one-on-one. The audience enjoyed him. Yes. And I think there's, we'll play two clips. Okay. One, there's one about, about cattle that is just a very governor oh, right. moment. Any governor of any state can pull these stats. But particularly, I feel like this is DeSantis's strength to just pull this stat. And he gets a great reaction from Marr, who has a great comic sense, and the audience. So we'll play that one first. But there were no cowboys in Florida, Ron. Florida. Oh, yeah, you should try Florida. We're one of the top cattle states in, in America. Once really? you go from the beach, you go to the interior of Florida, nothing but cattle ranches. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. I, I, I stand corrected. And then second, of course, they engage about COVID mandates and COVID policy. And Mar is very friendly to DeSantis's point of view on this and sets up a real dinger for the for the former baseball player, now governor on this subject. We need to do, for example, COVID. I think we need accountability for what this government did to this country with the COVID restrictions, mandates and lockdowns. Donald Trump is not going to do that. He says he did everything right. He says he saved millions of lives with lockdowns. He claims his MNRA shot saved 100 million lives. So I had a couple thoughts. One was, I think I asked you before the show, you get the sense if it, that it took a lot of effort to hit for him to be able to relate and to be normal, like this is an actual thing versus his regular self, which is maybe much more introverted. No, I think that in the one-on-one, he seemed quite at ease. And yeah. that is, no, look, I think anybody is going to have trouble being their, their full selves on the debate stage with six, seven other yeah. people. I would say Doug Burgum or Tim Scott are very good at being emotive and connecting with people. Does it work on a stage with six or seven people? It does not. No. Right. So I think it's a, just a different style of communication. And DeSantis has the advantage of in these one on ones being very good when someone agrees with him. And also being good when someone contests his point of view. He fact-checked him. He fact-checked Mar in real time several times yes. while he's out there. I did appreciate, by the way, going back to the, the, the line about the cattle in Florida. I appreciate that because I did not know that. And I, as a New Jerseyan, if you go through southern Jersey, we have what may be the longest-running rodeo in the country now. And Is that a real thing? Yes, it's a real thing. Like there's cattle out there in southern Jersey. I mean, there was like an actual reason why it was called like the, the garden state, the breadbasket yeah. state with all the, you know, corn, blueberries, tomatoes. But yes, they do rodeos down there. It's a whole other world that you would never know unless you're cutting across that part of the state. So I appreciated that. Here's my other thought. And we can get to this and you could follow up later with your part, the exciting part of the show when you were there. The audience I'm thinking at this point, because uh, Marr has taken a, a, a much more less obviously progressive and more of a libertarian uh, leaning on that libertarian uh, tack, if you will, 
that the audience has also shifted. And there were times in the past, and I'm sure you've uh, experienced it there a long time ago, as uh, well as some of our other friends, when you were going into really hostile territory. Yes. So I w- I've done the show back when Mar and I were far more often in disagreement. However, every time I've been on the show, I think we have spoken at least in part about free speech and cancel culture. We are completely in agreement on this front. Right. So I think it makes our conversation, our exchanges pretty friendly, which signals to the audience that, yeah. you know, you're in the in the, the good camp. But uh, yes, as he's become more heterodox or adheres to his lib- classical liberal values, while many on the left do not. Yeah. His audience corresponds. And I think part right. of that is because he continued to have a live audience during COVID. So that self-selected for people who were uh, willing yeah. to go sit in an audience right. during COVID, which cut out, I would say, large parts of the Californian far left, right? If yeah, you're they're to populate, not going out for right? that. Because <laughs> that's that's not in the virtue signal handbook right. to go see a show, right? right? So I think that happened, too. And I, we'll play it for you later in the show, but we had a nice long... We did have one nice long disagreement about Russia. Yes, but I, I thought you were... I, you're right. I thought DeSantis was very well-received. And so were you. Like, there were no boos. I mean, there are a lot of times where there'd be active booing in that audience. Yes. And then Mar would have to come the, to somebody's defense just because. You right. Know. And I think the audience is generous, I would say. Yeah. And even, even when the host disagrees with you, at least in my most recent experiences there, so it's very nice. I enjoy doing that show so much because I love a live audience even if they hate me. Is, and it's a lot of people. It's a, <laughs> No, you feed off that, but it was I even do. more. But you got a lot of claps and... And it's it's a fairly large size audience for I would as say far about as studios go. People probably yeah. okay. something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, so they had no, no problems filling it. That's good. And then you get to they have a new backstage which had a bar in it. So I did I did have a beer before I went out there, I which had is a martini. like well, see the alcohol intake has to be very careful. Yeah. before the show, just right? to loosen, just a little. So I had like three quarters of a beer because I know off. I know what that's going to do. Yeah, I don't know how strong a drink is going to be you made to by make this your particular drink? bartender. Do you have to make your own drink or is there a bartender? A bartender. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a nice guy. So I go, I have a beer. I did notice right before I went on stage that I was starting to burp a little bit. Oh, right. Well, and I was like, ooh, but here's what you got to do. This is, I'm a veteran, guys. I'm a veteran of live TV. I was like, well, let's think of a joke in case this happens on stage. So if I had burped on stage, yeah. I was just going to be like, well, Bill, I guess I should have smoked weed with you instead of drunk a beer before the show. Very good. <laughs> it's almost worth burping. I know. It did not It did not come to pass. I'm glad. Okay. okay. Shall we move on to the actual news? Okay, here we go. <laughs> the news about me is now over. <laughs> okay. That's news. Oh, one more thing. One more news alert from L.A. I went to a soccer game to watch my little four-year-old niece play. Did she just turn five? Oh. Shh, don't worry about it, guys. The important thing is I went to go watch her play a little peewee soccer, ca- soccer game. She scored four goals. She's oh. a beast. She's a monster. So congratulations to her. I imagine some of those kids' soccer games, they can run up the score. Like, I always, I, I would bet on the over, I'm well, just going to say. The field is about the size of this rug, so that was that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. But anyway, she killed it, so Good. well done to her. her. All right. We're going to move on to the news. First, I do. I want to do a quick uh, update on something we've talked about in the past. And it's good news before we delve into the all the institutions we distrust and are terrible. IRS contractor is charged in leak of Trump tax returns, thousands of wealthy Americans records. 
Federal prosecutors charged an Internal Revenue Service contractor with stealing the tax returns of former President Donald Trump and thousands of other wealthy Americans and leaking them to news organizations, apparently solving a two-year puzzle over a security breach that prompted outrage from lawmakers and administration officials. Charles Littlejohn, 38, of Washington, D.C., was charged Friday with one count, one count, of unauthorized disclosure of tax information, and he faces up to five years in prison, according to a Justice Department news release. Court records don't name the taxpayers, the news organizations, or the company that Little John worked for, but the descriptions match two of the largest and most consequential disclosures of private tax information. Timeline outlined includes some dissemination to ProPublica of tax records of wealthy Americans and the 2020 publication of information from Trump's 2016 Mm -hmm. and 2017 records to the New York Times. How is it that there's only one charge when there's a bunch of records and there's two organizations to which he was leaking? Yeah, versus like, I don't know, again, not to compare with Trump in the 91 counts or something. Which yeah. Is, you know, each no, and every just, single it just, thing. It just seems like the itemized, motiva- This is it, not an itemized indictment. It does seem like they're very differently motivated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. this person, Little John, he gave the information to ProPublica? Or yes. are they suggesting that he was with ProPublica? No, he gave it no, to No, that he Pro gave Publica. it to. So, and we have no idea what the firm is, but uh, right. to this And this, this is important okay. because, you know, all of us are obligated to give our private financial information mm-hmm. to the government. And the people who work with the government are supposed to keep that a yeah. secret. Because if you set up a situation where you know if you're an, oh, I don't know, a political adversary of the current administration and the current sort of lefty mm-hmm. orthodoxy, that your stuff is going to get leaked... That's very, very bad for right. trust. And so at least at least this person is being punished. I would say more than one count might be in order. But I'm glad to see that at yeah. least. Now, the organiz- like the news organizations in, in question, of course, can receive leaked information right. and publish it. This guy's the problem. Yeah, like that's a different ethical question than right. whether you run with the information. That's once it's right, been and, and 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 we're not saying we're not demanding that they can, you know, news sources. I mean, uh, media organizations disclose their sources. No. We're not saying that either. But the the actual act itself is a, is a very serious problem. Can we also stop pretending that ProPublica is this sort of <laughs> neutral <laughs> arbiter? Look, Since our, I, I didn't they go after uh, the uh, Supreme Court justices course, as well, right? No, it's Clarence not Thomas ProPublica's and, fault yeah. that the only ethical violations that matter are the ones that are pro- happens to by, be alleged against conservative yeah. justices. That's yeah. just life. That That's right. And in particular, in this per- instance, this is when there was a large push to get Trump's tax records, right? We wanted him to, you know, open those files because then we're going to really nail him. Oh, we're going to nail say, him. Wait, wait till you see what's in those tax records. And that didn't happen. Yeah, of remind me what was out. in those tax records. Yeah, like, nothing I'll of let interest. Let me get back to you yeah. on that one. And it was also the same time that, like, I think, like, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders were pushing for, you know, this kind of regulations. And so, again, convenient timing. Yeah. For these organizations, and they're all working together. So nice. Strangely, uh, strangely, nothing about Mitt Romney's tax records leaked that. to yeah. dispute the late Senator Harry Reid's oh. non-factual who later admitted assertions on the on the floor. Who later admitted that that was just yeah, I just made that, just up. made that up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, good. I know you guys will all be glad to hear that the government is still running. Miracle of miracles yeah. for the next forty. Okay, so this, days. this the House and Senate both passed a stopgap measure. That will last, I think, for is it is it forty five days? Forty five days, which puts us, by the way, at Thanksgiving. So yes. get it, get excited about that. To keep the government functioning, a shutdown loomed as of twelve oh one, on was it Sunday night? Yes. Three hours before that, the Senate passed a, a counterpart to the House version of the stopgap measure, 
Okay, a lot of drama led up to this, and then we're going to get into some more drama about a fire alarm. (laughs) But first, the drama that led up to this. There are, of course, two factions in the House Republicans. House Republicans have a very small majority in the House, which means they have to stick together if they want any leverage to change anything Mm -hmm. about government funding during this fight. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy cannot afford to lose more than like four votes. Well, in classic fashion, some really big news decided to break right after we finished taping Getting Hammered. So this is Mary Catherine Hamm breaking in with this news update. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy lost the fight for his political life after lawmakers decided to oust the California Republic from the speakership. This is USA Today reporting. There were eight votes against him in the GOP caucus, which was just enough combined with all the Democrats to oust the speaker. Those were Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, Ken Buck of Colorado, Tim Burchett of Tennessee, Eli Crane of Arizona, Matt Gates of Florida, Bob Good of Virginia, Nancy Mace of South Carolina, Matt Rosendale of Montana. So there you have it. If you're asking what the plan is moving forward, there is not a plan. There are possibilities that Kevin McCarthy would come back for this job again, although how would he negotiate for it? and give up anything more than he gave up in January, that there's a second person, although this caucus of eight appears to have no choices for that position. And they have made it a much less desirable job than it already was, which was not very desirable. We'll see what happens. That's where we are. It was a confluence of dysfunction. And frankly, Gates and those who voted with him have set the stage for all the things they're complaining about, such as not having regular order and not having 12 appropriations bills because they wouldn't vote for the rules to get the appropriations bills to the floor. And then after that happens, they go, you, Speaker McCarthy, didn't get the bills to the floor. We didn't get our regular order. Well, if you set up that conclusion and then complain about it, sure. So... Here we go. The press is predisposed to blame any shutdown or any threat thereof only on Republicans, not all on Democrats. Although, interestingly, the polling showed that perhaps voters were willing to look at Democrats as part of the problem. However, the Matt Gates faction, which, by the way, I'm giving him a small victory by even calling it that because that's what he wants. He wants attention. And now he's got it. Scuttled a version of the House stopgap measure that would have cut spending across the board by as much as 30%. Yes, it was a more conservative CR. And had border security in it. They said, nah. No to that. Thank you. He could, there were six remaining Republicans who would not get on board for that one. Right. So what happened? Well, they had to make a strategy turn. And the strategy turn was, well, if you guys won't help us to get this across the line to give... The, by the way, the Senate wouldn't have passed that version, but the Senate might have had to compromise with a little bit less spending or a little right. more border security. That that chance was out the window last week when they opposed it. So McCarthy says, all right, well, now I have to partner and do this bipartisan Lee, and so it's going to look different. So they pass a stopgap measure that doesn't have spending cuts in it. Victory? For Gates? Well, he managed to secure several Democratic votes in order to get them over the line. Yes. And in fact, more Democrats than Republicans, I think, in the final CR. So this triggers Gates and company to say, ha ha, you 
are teaming with Democrats to get things done. The reason he's teaming with Democrats to get stuff done is because you guys wouldn't help him to get the thing done that was more conservative than the thing he got done with the Democrats. Okay, so there's that. At which point Gates says, now we're going to get rid of you as speaker. How are we going to do that? Well, I'm going to have to team with all of the Democrats yeah. to oust you. Yeah. But see, I'm teaming with Democrats for the right reason. Once again, it's for the right reason. So it's not that, you know, there's no hypocrisy here. No. It's really apples and oranges. But that's right. And it's really quite something because in McCarthy's mind, number one, they had a pretty good CR that, as you mentioned, had all these things that conservatives you know, right. care about. It's not everything. Nothing is perfect, but it would have been better than the one that ended up passing. And the other thing was his main, main goal was not to have the government shut down. As McCarthy talks about, he's yes. concerned about paying our border patrol, paying our military. And so he managed to do that. But again, in a weird way, it's like Gates had set him up to, fall, to take the bait, right. which he did, because I think Gates' ultimate goal is to get rid of Kevin McCarthy. Even yes. though he has Kevin McCarthy, but there's is no already, there's no plan after that. But. No, there's no because he's not running himself <laughs> for speaker. Here he is, by the way, calling, let's see, filing the motion to vacate House Speaker. If there's a deal made with Democrats, the only deal is is to make one with McCarthy because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, you, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it because one thing I'm at peace with is when we stand here uh, a week from now. I won't own Kevin McCarthy anymore. He won't. Be, you won't belong to me. So if the Democrats want to adopt him, they can adopt well, him. Anyway, so he's making the motion, but to your, to your point, there's there's no right plan after that. He is outraged that he's no longer our speaker because he is currying favor and making these backroom deals, as he says, with the Democrats. He's going across to get this sort of reaching across the aisle to get the help of Democrats to push through their agenda instead of our agenda, which, as you mentioned, has led Gates to then say, I need to reach across the aisle to work with, you know, Pramila Jayapal and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah. She she agreed to join up. Right. I believe they're upset. Sound of that. Do you, um, do you think that there will be any Democrats that might vote to save McCarthy? I mean, I, I, I certainly don't think that uh, we would expect to see that unless there's a real conversation between the Republican and Democratic caucuses and Republican and Democratic leadership about what that would mean. But I don't think we give up votes for free. And do you, but would you vote to vacate? Would you vote to get rid of McCarthy as speaker? Would I cast that vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Kevin McCarthy is a very weak speaker. Uh, He clearly has lost control of his caucus. He has brought the United States and millions of Americans to the brink, waiting until the final hour uh, to to, um, keep the government open, and even then only issuing a 45-day extension. So we're going to be right back in this place in November. And, uh, you know, I think that our main priority has to be the American people and what's going to keep our governance in a cohesive and strong place. But unless Kevin McCarthy asks for a vote, again, I don't think we give something away for free. Yeah, I mean, they're upset that McCarthy, you know, allowed concessions demanded by Gates and others to open an inquiry into impeaching President Biden. And so they want to get him for that. And Gates wants to get McCarthy for cooperating with the Democrats. It's a beautiful alignment of dysfunction. 
quite right. something. And here's here's you know what's also in alignment of is and I think someone someone tweeted this last night. Doug High tweeted this oh. last night. A picture of the gates scrum, which is a term yeah. for when the reporters gather around you, because look, I think the media sometimes blows up these possible shutdowns to such a ludicrous degree that it creates bad incentives because everyone knows that if you're the seen as the person sort of governing weather, it'll all shut down. Mm-hmm. They're like, please let us get a camera on you. And someone like Gates, frankly, I don't love to question people's motives, but because I don't understand the plan here, it does feel like, as Doug High said, in one picture, you know exactly why Gates is doing this. And it is a picture of Gates with 100 reporters around him. Yeah. Commanding the entire Washington press corps. He loves it. And it does seem, and by the way, the folks he would be partnering with, the AOCs of the world, have the same inclination. Yeah. As long as the cameras are on them, they're doing the people's work. That's, you know, that's the that's the equation that's right. for that. And, and other people have mentioned this before, and it's true, which is the traditional ways of climbing up the ladder of seniority in Congress are now out the window, yeah. right? You have through the internet, through media, through social media, he doesn't have to rely on anybody senior in his committee or his panels. He doesn't really care about that. It's all about the communication. And he gets a lot of money. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think she raises more money than almost any other member in the House. And it's need a lot of small donors. And she doesn't need to be dependent on governing, the people above her. Governing by yeah. Instagram. Except yes. it's not governing. No. It no. never has anything no. to do with governing. And I do think that he has his eye on running for governor because DeSantis is term limited and it would pit him against, I think, maybe Byron Donalds, which is really interesting. But interesting in a bad Sounds way. Sounds like a great <laughs> nominee. Yeah. The thing about him, too, is that I, I know that he is not a dumb man. So no. I know that he knows, he knows what, he's doing. what he's doing here. Yeah. Somebody we're not sure about whether he's a dumb man. Shall we talk about oh, Jamal Bowman? Yeah. Look, it's his statement, not mine. Okay, I'm not saying this it. is bizarre, and I'll he said, please explain in the okay. will. Yeah, Representative Jamal Bowman, during one of these votes, Democrats were trying to figure out, oh gosh, what what do we want our caucus to do? Are we supporting one? It was one of these votes. I'm not even sure which one it was, or are we not? There was some confusion. House members are in there on a weekend. Uh, many of them in the office buildings adjacent to the Capitol, and they have to go over to vote when a vote comes up. A fire alarm is pulled in Cannon Office Building, which is a house office building where a lot of these guys' uh, offices are. And everyone has to evacuate for, I think, a little over an hour to figure out what the heck is going on. And lo and behold, Capitol Police release an image of Representative Jamal Bowman, a socialist representative from the state of New York, pulling a fire alarm yeah. next to a door in the Cannon House building. It's very obvious what's happening in that picture. Presumably there is video as well. This is the statement released by his office. I want to personally clear up confusion surrounding today's events. Today, as I was rushing to make a vote, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not open. I am embarrassed to admit that I had activated the fire alarm, mistakenly thinking it would open the door. I regret this and sincerely apologize for any confusion this caused. He goes on to claim it was not an attempt to delay the vote, which is the allegation from some who 
like can look at a picture and see what they're seeing and understand what the consequences of that are. Yeah. But he says he wasn't trying to do that. He was just trying to get out of that door. At least one, I believe it's an NBC anchor, just straight up parrots that and says, you know, well, I guess we have our answer. We have we have a nothing else that. to see here. Last thing I want to mention, and then we're going to take a quick break. Um, there was a mention of Jamal Bowman, Congressman um, Jamal Bowman, and the pulling of some sort of fire alarm. And I just want to read for you some of the reporting so you understand what actually went on there. Um, there were some reports that began to emerge about Representative Bowman, who was um, seen pulling some sort of fire alarm um, in the Cannon House office building earlier today. We got a statement on that. Um, saying Congressman Bowman did not realize he would trigger a building alarm as he was rushing to make an urgent vote. The Congressman regrets any um, confusion, just to clarify some things on that, because I know there was um, likely some folks kind of scratching their heads, wondering what it was they were asking um, Speaker McCarthy about. What do you think about this, Vic? Okay, so, you know, I interned at the Cannon House office building for Mm -hmm. my Congressman. Ah, we have insider information. Oh, insider information. Let me tell you something. It's a maze, right? It's labyrinthine, as they say, right? And it's all connected underground as well. And it can be very confusing. He is, this is not his first day. This is not orientation for the freshman congressman. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is, when I first heard the news, I thought he accidentally pushed the door and the alarm sounded. Right. Sometimes doors do have signs, but I ignore the sign. You just get out anyway. So this happens in like stores and restaurants sometimes and it's kind of embarrassing. And yes. as soon as the door closes, the, the alarm right. stops. Okay, fine, whatever. I said, maybe that happened. No. And then I see the uh, screenshot and he's actually pulling the fire alarm on the wall, not connected to the door, which by the way, those doors have very large signs. And so he says that those doors are usually open. Are they usually open? Because they had very large signs saying, if you open this door, the alarm will sound. And yet he's not even doing that at first. He does right. both obviously to get out. Well, a, cu- a couple things, because one one part of this is, and we, we have to, because this is what we're doing, and this is the conversation. We're getting dragged into a discussion of, like, really weighing the evidence as to whether, like, no grown-ass adult looks at a fire alarm and doesn't know what it's going to do. He's also a former school principal. Yeah, so just, like, let's put that out there. Mm-hmm. It, it is an insult to everyone's intelligence Are that you... he's even attempting to say anything You're else. saying that... He should have known that a lever that says fire and mm-hmm. you pull it would actually set off an alarm, a red a red square thing yeah. with the white lever that would there's, set it off. There's literally not a functioning adult in this country who doesn't know exactly what's going to happen when you pull that thing. Yeah. I, again, this is not like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom where there's like a fulcrum release. There's, oh, you got to reach in there. It's so, got, that's got to open the door. But no, because uh, he's a Democrat. Yeah. Everyone starts using the jeweler's tool yeah. to look at the video and zapruder everything mm-hmm. and decide that this is far more complex and that how how could he possibly yeah. have known not to pull a fire alarm, which leads to something that should embarrass the congressman even perhaps even more than his idiot move to pull the fire alarm, which is Marjorie Taylor Greene has a has a little tu- tutorial for him. Oh, Hi, everyone. We are at the infamous door where Jamal Bowman claims he had to pull a fire alarm to get out. Now, these doors are open on weekdays. Every member of Congress knows that. Everybody that works here knows that. But on Saturdays and Sundays, they are locked and only certain doors are open on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, come on over here. This right here is a fire alarm. Nowhere does it say pull the fire alarm to open the exit door. 
Doesn't say that, and I think ex-middle school principals know better. Let me show you how we go when we need to go vote. I know this because my office is in here in Keenan Building. Come on, go this way. stairs. By the way, we had to use the stairs to evacuate the Cannon building after Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm. stairs this way and you can go in the basement and we can walk in the tunnel that goes under the road to the Capitol. We do that all the time, especially if the weather's bad. Or you can come around this way. See where that says exit? It exits out on New Jersey. This one is open all the time not just some of the time all the time so let's explain very clearly again jamal bowman didn't pull the fire alarm to try to get out of the building because he had to rush to go vote i know that for a fact because i also work in the cannon office building and i watched katherine clark the democrat whip make a motion to adjourn and then within minutes jamal bowman pulled a fire alarm and he knew he was pulling a fire alarm because he's a former middle school principal. And then he ran out of the building and didn't tell anybody he did that. And this building was evacuated for over an hour and Congress had to hold the vote open. That's usually only 15 minutes on the first vote. They held it open for over an hour as well. There's some serious problems for Jamal Bowman and he needs to be prosecuted for violating the same federal law that they are prosecuting January 6th defendants and President she, Trump. She continues to give a tour of a wow. very simple manner of exiting the building without pulling any fire alarms. Now, all right, so Jamal Bowman was right. It's normally open. I'll yeah, give him that. Right. So, Well, I want to get the facts straight. I want to <laughs> yeah, get the facts yeah, straight. Yeah. But the fact remains that pulling a fire alarm yeah. makes an alarm go off, and everyone in their right mind knows this. So, and he yeah. is attempting to gaslight everyone. And people are happy to help him because he's a Democrat. And we're about, how, what are we, 48 hours into this now? About, like, by the time this oh. comes out? By the time this comes out, I think we will have thoroughly moved into either it doesn't matter at all that he was attempting to disrupt congressional official operations, which up until now I've been informed is a very huge offense, mm -hmm. right? We're either going to move to it doesn't matter at all, or in addition to it doesn't matter at all, the fact that you right-wingers are hysterical about it, is evidence of your pouncing. Like, we're yeah. just pouncing. Either way. On Jamal Bowman. Either way. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting. Politico actually reported on this the other day, which is they had gotten talking points from Jamal Bowman's office. Mm -hmm. Were they good? I bet they were good. They were. Let's hear about them. Well, one of them actually says, yes, he did it. He pulled the alarm, well, obviously, because we have photographic evidence. It By the way, an that's accident. another thing. Yeah. Many in the press continue to say, like the headlines will say, allegedly. No. 
He's admitted it. You can just strike allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to be really sure. And so one of the talking points is that, yes, he pulled it. It was an accident. But and this is in the this is in the political story. The talking point says that they should focus more. Republicans should focus more on their Nazi members. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the Nazis. I think that was the third attempt to set this straight yeah. was just let's. OK, what? So it was an accident, but not really an accident. It's just we didn't know how fire alarms worked. Like, which one is better? Anyway, that you were committing a crime to empty the building, yeah. to delay a vote, that you that you are too stupid to know what a fire alarm is. And then the third attempt is, let's call everybody a Nazi. Nazi, exactly. So uh, Bowman immediately uh, responded and said that that was not from him. He did not say it's not from his office. No, no, no. He just so, said, not from him, and it's terrible to use that term unless you're actually member, referring to members of the National Socialist Party or neo-Nazis. Right. So, and in doing that so- That part is correct. In doing so, man of the people, man of the workers, Socialist Representative Jamal Bowen proceeds to throw his staff under the bus completely. Yeah. He says, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was an inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term Nazi outside- of its precise definition, it is important to specify the term Nazi to refer to members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. Of course, someone has already pulled up in his Twitter that he's referred to plenty of people as Nazis. Nazi or Nazi adjacent before, but no matter. No, he said it didn't come from him, then it didn't come from him. I do, again, there is, Move a, on. there is a problem of trust with institutions because when a Democrat does this, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. He's not probably going to be punished. If he's punished, oh, it will be, outra- be. Yeah, there'd be such outrage if he were. Right. If he's punished, it will be by Republicans moving to <gasps> punish mm-hmm. this political adversary. Mm-hmm. They're pouncing in this inappropriate. They're not a pouncing in an inappropriate way. Members should know that if they F with the process like this, then they will be punished. But. Because he's a Democrat, it's yeah. not going to happen. You'd hope there'd be consequences, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, I'm just saying a lot of people from January 6th were picked up for parading. And a lot disrupting. of them were prosecuted for disrupting, disrupting official operations. Like, there are laws in place. Even low-level, like, false pulling of an alarm is a low-level criminal act. Right. Do we think if I pulled a fire alarm in a house building, knowing that there was no fire, that that would be okay with everybody? That I wouldn't be in legal trouble? You can always say it was Crazy. an accident. Yeah. I didn't know how alarms work. No. She said. Because you're, you're, you're a child. <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's so pathetic. And like, as with many of these things, what, you know, because I keep pointing out that, you know, grown adults know how fire alarms work and this is a ridiculous excuse. And uh, someone, of course, shows up in my mentions to tell me that like, Republican is stereo. Oh, this is a distraction from blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, it's a neat trick because in the national narrative governed by media and our elites, the hysteria of Democrats when they're mad about something, say the summer of 2020, protests and riots in the street. Right. The hysteria is proof that the original offense by society upon them is the problem. Right. When the roles are reversed... My hysteria actually discounts my hysteria, discounts that there was any original offense, right? It, it, actually, it actually undercuts my argument that I'm upset about it means it doesn't matter. Isn't yeah. that a convenient thing? Yes. It's so convenient. Must be so nice to be on the other side. 
Dude, can you imagine being a Democratic press secretary? I've heard, you know, this is not a this is not an original line, but someone in Bowman's office handed that statement to NBC, and NBC was like, "Yeah, sounds legit. Sounds legit. Yeah, Stop lying. Sense. Stop lying. Yeah, that's it. We all know you're lying. Are we done with him? He's not going to get any yeah, punishment. That, that He's was, not going to get any punishment young... except for from us. So I'm yeah, just gonna. That's right. That's true. Trash. That's trash. All right. Trump's in court this week. Uh, he is. This is yet another court case. And he didn't have to be there in person, but he chose. Do you know why I think he's there? I think he's in New York for these cases. This one in particular, which has to do with allegations of fraudulent real estate. Inflating the value of his properties. Inflating the value of his properties. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Letitia James, who is the uh, prosecutor there, messed up on the statute of limitations on about 80% of what she wanted to bring in this case. So, oops. Uh, just uh, again, the trust in institutions just yeah. rising, rising steadily. I think he's there because he knows that the New York cases are crap. And to put himself out in front of those cases then reflects on the rest of the cases, which may have more merit. You know, it, it's funny because if you watch now that the late night shows are back, all the talk is just about, oh, you know, he got charged with fraud in New York and everybody's clapping. Oh, yeah, because he's terrible and that he has committed this crime. It's unclear to me the crime of saying that your property is worth X versus that. Nobody's bought people. If, if somebody thinks that, I mean, I get it that there are rules on the books, but I if somebody thinks that something is overvalued, they're not going to pay for it. And usually they pay for whatever the market value is. If the right. market demands it, then it does. Or right. if it doesn't, it doesn't. Case in point, we get these county assessments, right? And what they say your house is worth is always lower yes. than what you're going to get for it on Zillow, if right. you check Zillow or Redfin or whatever. And in Trump's case, I'm sure he was outraged because I believe they valued Mar-a-Lago at about $18 million. Which... Can we all admit that we know that's nonsense? Yeah, you that that's like a that's like a bungalow in Greenwich, isn't Connecticut. This, right? Isn't <laughs> this beach? It's like yeah, it's acres yeah, and acres right there in, yeah. of luxury property on a beachfront, right? And some of the nicest beaches, right, in America, right? I mean, like I think Trump is there full of it. There are condo units. There are condo units yeah. in the tens of millions. I think right? Trump's full of it and has been full of it his entire yeah career. Right. Assessing his own properties. Right. But they are also full of it, which is actually an illustration of the problem we find ourselves in, is that That's nobody right. the truth, can have their ish together. The truth is somewhere between the eight. Uh, it, it's higher than 18, but it's way below Trump's estimate, which I think was like $400 million. No, I, you think, know? I think he went into the billions at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Just for Mar-a-Lago. But, but it is... It, it it plays into Trump's hands because he gets to turn this. There's a media circus. He's there in person. So the media has to be there. Now, I was watching this on television, which is really interesting because when Gates was coming down the stairs of the Capitol steps, uh, CNN was on him. Mm -hmm. Fox was not. And then when Trump was out there in the court, Fox was on him and CNN was not oh, later. Interesting. And they, sw they switched it later because they don't want to give him the airtime. But it does play into his hands because he's saying, again, once again, this is a witch hunt. Not only that, but it's pretty easy to say this city is crime ridden, you know, infested with, with, with crime. And there's a homeless problem and there's a drug problem. And this is what they're spending. This is what the attorney general is spending their time doing, saying that I've committed some fraud against New Yorkers and telling me what, what exactly is that fraud that I inflated the well, price. Well, and, and the consequences of this would be pretty large for the Trumps, which is they can't register businesses in New York 
they might have to pay fines of yeah. in the mil- hundreds of right. millions of dollars, I think James is after. Here's Trump at the courthouse talking about some of the unfairness to him as he tells it. President Trump speaking now. Let's listen. Is and will, and I hope you're impressed. We built a great company. But he's been given false information, misleading information, and corrupt information by a very corrupt and incompetent attorney general, Letitia James. This woman is grossly incompetent. She ran on the basis, I will get Trump without knowing anything about me. So he's been given this information. It's now been proven to be false, such as Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida being worth $18 million, when in fact it's much closer to $1.5 billion. And I appreciate very much the officials of Palm Beach calling yesterday and writing and saying that she was very wrong. That's not the way you value the property. So she said it was $18 million. It's $1.5 billion. Likewise, we've just recently sold two properties for many times what they were worth, many times what they were worth in the financial statements. And the statements are actually much lower than the actual net worth. She knows that, but she's fraudulent. Because of the fraudulent numbers she's given, many of which, Mar-a-Lago is just one example, we have other examples that are almost as good, in some cases might even be better. This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. And she should probably be dismissed also because she's terrible and grossly incompetent, as I've said. But at a minimum, she should start looking for the murderers and the criminals, the violent criminals all over New York, do something about all of the illegal migrants pouring into our city and state and not spend the next six months in a courthouse because she's been caught early. Her numbers are fraudulent. She's a fraud. Her numbers are fraudulent. And this case should be dismissed. And they ought to get on to violent crime and solving the problems of New York City and New York State. Thank you very much. I do want to point out, I read up a little bit on the lack of a jury here. This is a bench trial, which means it's just the judge. Yeah. Trump is complaining about that, which on its face does seem like, oh, well, maybe it would be fairer without a jury, except that his lawyers are the ones that passed on a jury trial for this. So uh, (laughs) they uh, apparently did not do either intended for him to have a bench trial with just a judge or did not do the paperwork properly to ensure that he would have a trial by jury. As you know, he's had a lot of problems getting permanent, stable legal representation. That is such a polite way of putting that. Yeah, well... (laughs) is what it is. Well, ha- you know what? Yeah. At least we know that the good people of America's donations are going to a good cause, well, that's which right. is the increasingly unreliable yeah. legal representation I keep of on the former that, president. I mean, that's the ultimate plan is to bog them down in, in, in legal legal bills and, and court dates. So, that, I mean, in the middle of a presidential election. Well, it helps that at least we're discussing what's really important to the American people, which is the value of, a, of a billionaire's <laughs> yeah. various real estate yeah. holdings. Because when you're trying to put food on the table, that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Thinking about. Anyway. Do you want to talk about fine? Did, did find the oh, Diane Feinstein yes. pass during your last taping? Was it after? Uh, no, it happened very shortly afterwards. So, as always. So, Senator Diane Feinstein passed away last week, probably as I was taping the show, and she has since been replaced with an interim appointment. 
Do you before we get to that? Do you have any thoughts on Feinstein herself? Obviously, a, a groundbreaker in many ways, who stayed until she she was ninety years old. Yeah, there was lots of discussion about perhaps she should not stay in office this long right. because perhaps she is not the one running things there. In some ways, you know, you do want to retire when you're at the top of your game and people right. will always, uh, poems have been written about this, but, you know, retire at the top of your game and people will remember you at that moment, right? Uh, which she did not do because she stayed forever. Uh, and it, it's 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 funny because she was actually a, a very battle-hardened and tested politician before she became a senator, right? And right. she was the mayor of San Francisco. And prior to that, she was a city supervisor during the worst time of San Francisco. And she became mayor after the, 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 the political assassinations of George Moscone and Harvey Milk. Right. Milk was not, but, but the mayor was Moscone. And, he got, and, then, and then she had, she had taken over after that in a really dark time in the city. I mean, things are still obviously bad in San Francisco yes. now. But back then, I mean, that was insane. And that was a murder. I ended up going, watching through <laughs> Clips of Sean Penn and Harvey Milk. Not because, I mean, I'm just curious who played. I didn't realize James Brolin, Josh Brolin played Dan White. Right. And anyway, and it was like this, you know, a politician's murdering politicians. That right. was, and, then, and then she had come in. And that was a dirty election as well. Uh, and also, uh, Musk, it was such a dark time. And there's this book, Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. Everyone says it's an amazing book. But, and, and you know, uh, Jim Jones was connected to that in the People's yes. Temple. I mean, and, and he helped Moscone deliver votes. I mean, it's, yeah. No, every every time Insane. someone says we're living through the craziest yeah. time, I do look back to like there were two assassination attempts on Gerald, Gerald Ford, Ford. Yeah. who like from our Same. perspective was right. a very milk toast, just like a normie yeah. guy mm-hmm. uh, by the Manson family, right? And one of them was by the Manson family. Like it was a wild time, guys. Okay, so Feinstein comes out of that. She's a real trailblazer in many ways. Okay. She passed away last week. Gavin Newsom, who is governor of California, promised to replace her with a black woman. But interestingly, there is a black woman running for yeah. that seat already because it's Barbara, Barbara Lee is a black woman representative who's running for that seat. Katie Porter, the somewhat famous cantankerous, she's white, white. representative from Orange County yeah, running. Works. And then Adam Schiff. Everyone's is running, favorite. who has Nancy Pelosi's support, notably. Uh-huh. So, I assume Newsom knows he can't name Barbara Lee, because if you name Barbara Lee, then you're giving her a leg up in this right. election, which would tick off Nancy Pelosi. So he says, I'm going to I'm gonna nominate a black woman, but not a black woman who I'm going like, to intend to hold power. Just a, just a placeholder. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and somebody who has not expressed their intention, who's not already in the running. Yes, yes. So... He picks LaFonza Butler. Butler, who is leadership at Emily's List, which is a very <laughs> wonderful very, organization, <laughs> very moneyed pro-choice yeah. organization that puts candidates in office who do not support any limitations right. on abortion. That's their key. That's their key issue. And honestly, it's the signature issue of the leadership of the Democratic Party at this point, particularly in California. And they bring in a ton of. Of money. Yeah. So Gavin Newsom picks LaFonza Butler. What's the catch, Vic? Uh, well, he actually, there's two things. One, 
he actually didn't say after appointing her that there would be a rule that she's not allowed to run. Right. So she could very well decide to run. The other point, the other thing is, uh, at the moment, she is not actually from California. She's, well, not from, I don't know if she's originally from there. She's living in Maryland. She's living in Maryland. So they're going to bring her back. All of her filings say Maryland. Mm -hmm. She's just a lobbyist who lives in Maryland, But she's also making history Mm -hmm. as our first black lesbian United States senator. And no doubt Openly. if Corinne Jean-Pierre is ever here like, Wait. I'm an I'm an immigrant. Like, right. you could have picked me and you would have had right. more, yeah. more boxes That's checked. That's actually not a bad thought. This also, by the hey, way- Hey, we could use her out of that position. Distra- That's okay. for sure. And again, to go back to your appearance on Real Time, your co-panelist, Sam Harris, actually mentioned this in his, in his writing, we, yeah. we all agree, which is they're checking off these boxes and it's so demeaning to the people they yes. select because they're saying- you know, first and, for, and you can't say this because you, you can get in trouble for this. And I believe it was Elia Shapiro who got in trouble for yes. this with Kentaji Brown Jackson, the Supreme Court, by criticizing the idea that, you know, my first and foremost priority is to have pick somebody who is qualified for this job and who is a, a great intellectual giant who just happens to be right. a minority X, Y or Z. And instead, you're just saying first and foremost, black female or in this case, black female lesbian. Handicapped Muslim. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so it's very <laughs> does intersectional. Did that, that, that move us on the charts lower? I think we're now below the. Uh, it's an, it's okay. an intersectional enterprise. No. Yeah. No, uh, it's insane. And so Harris, yeah. Harris surprised me, actually, by being yeah. very straightforward about his thoughts yeah. on this. And I appreciated that he just and, and it's true. If you're if you're qualified by your actual qualifications outside of your race and sex, mm-hmm. then it's insulting because it looks like to everyone you've been chosen because of the color yeah. of your skin. If you're not qualified, that's also embarrassing. That's going to be embarrassing. Right? Either way, nobody wants to be thought, at least I'd like to think that nobody wants to be thought of as, oh, the only yeah. reason why, the main reason why I'm here is because of something I have also, actual no control over. How many, how many black women live in California? It's got to be a lot. Yeah. Like they, they, another, they, instead I know, they the one in Maryland. I know at least oh. Karen Bass is the mayor of L.A. Emily's List. Uh, uh, but this, well, by the way, Newsom, the, Newsom yeah. wants Emily's List in his yeah. pocket. Yeah. That's that's right. What's happening? Uh, right? But you know, so uh, there was a theory that was going around, and I thought it was a really great one, uh, a terrifying but great one, which was he would appoint Kamala Harris to be the senator, thereby opening up the slot for him to be the running mate, right? With the promise that in return assuming that Newsom would then become president at some point in the next four or five years, that he would appoint uh, Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court when there's a vacancy, probably Clarence Thomas. So Oof. this is, a, a, at which point I leave the country. That's a real downgrade. That is. And, uh, you know, and Ike did, Eisenhower did this with uh, Earl Warren, right, to, to secure my understanding, the uh, endorsement of uh, Warren, who was the governor of California, and he became chief justice. So why not something like this? But I guess this didn't I, didn't happen. It happened so fast. It's, I mean, she's probably she's also making history as the first re- Maryland resident to become a California senator. So now, it, technically, he's allowed to appoint her. She only has to move to California before yeah. such time as she takes office. But if she were running, it would be slightly different. But let's be serious. Nobody cares about resident rules unless the media decides that the uh, yeah. candidate is disfavored. So in the, her, in, a can, in the case of Herschel Walker, it matters a great deal. Oh. In the case of this woman, it will not matter at all. Uh, that's how that yeah. works. Do we see a theme? Do we see a theme? Okay. 
I have one more silly story Give to it. talk about Give it before to we. And I, we're going to play a little clip of, of me from real time as well. Good. But before we get to that, the tr- the potentially tragic story of Tux the cat in Texas, I believe, came to I think this was in Austin, came to a a glorious conclusion, a, a happy conclusion this week. What happened? Okay, Tux the cat and his owner were taking a lift, and they were going to the vet, and I think they were coming home from the vet, and the owner got out of one side of the back of the car and walked around to the other side to pick up the cat in its carrier from the passenger side floorboard and the car drove away. Oh. With the cat in it. So Tux the cat goes on an adventure without his owner. The poor owner, of course, like dismayed. And the driver doesn't hear the owner no, like, hey, dismayed my cat. Is texting the driver, is calling the driver, is getting nothing related to the cat. So he goes public on Twitter to say, hey, Lyft, like you guys really need to help me out. He's also contacting Lyft customer Mm. service. Now this is where Lyft got into trouble because now I should say that, as I said, the cat is safe. The cat was recovered. Tux is okay. Oh my goodness. Lyft got in trouble because it responded in the normal channels of customer service before it realized this was a more serious matter that was going viral online. So he gets sort of a canned response that's like, hey, we're working on this. Uh, You're going to get like a $20 refund for your lost item or something. Wow. (laughs) To which he understandably takes offense and posts this online and says, look, I don't really care about the $20 lift. Can you please help me find my cat? Right. This guy is not responding to me. Mm. Lift then realizes, oh, and the CEO's, on the on the chain now saying, oh, we will work behind the scenes. And they do work behind the scenes very hard to get in touch with this guy. By the time they get in touch with the guy, cat's not in the car anymore, apparently. Mm-hmm. So they continue oh, no. to try to track where the driver went, where this cat could have gone. And eventually he was recovered. And the Lyft is offering to pay the vet bills for the cat <laughs> to fix this PR problem that it caused for itself in the oh, first place. Gosh, I thought you were going to tell me that the driver went with the cat to a Chinese restaurant. Well, it... <laughs> Sorry. He's allowed, I can say that. He's allowed to I'm make allowed that to, joke. Come on, I'm kidding. I love you gotta Chinese. watch the video. I love Chinese food. Okay. So he's safe. It did. T- oh, I God. think it took two days to resolve this. So I don't know what kind of adventures mm-hmm. my boy went on. I hope Tuck's had a good That's time. That's insane. I would have. I would have been devastated. Yes. Thank you, Mary Catherine. It's enough to give you pause. Ah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. But you can only see. Why is it so funny? You have to watch the video for that. You can't. You only see this on YouTube. That joke only works on YouTube. I think we'll get banned for that oh, joke, really? not the <laughs> Chinese joke. Yeah. All right, and we're closing up the show. Oh yes. With what else? Me. Okay. I do. On the show on real time. I was trying to make a broader point about why people accept certain behaviors from Trump and will vote for him despite indictments, and it's because the original sin, as I've said many times on this show was that Russiagate was a hoax, for real, for real, funded by Hillary Clinton, totally fake. And that's a problem because now when you bring real things, people think that those are fake as well. Same with the New York cases, which are largely fake. Okay. There were They were not on the same page with me on that. So this is the debate that we had about Russiagate in 2023 on the set. And honestly, the audience... 
chimed in for me occasionally, chimed in for them occasionally. It was a civil discussion, but I was surprised we were having. The original sin from both media and the intelligence agencies and, and, uh, and federal law enforcement is the Russiagate stuff. And the reason that so many in the party, and I'm here as the translator because I'm not one of them, but so many in the party accept so much of Donald Trump's behavior is because the Russia stuff was a lie. No, it wasn't. Well, it wasn't all a lie. It yes, wasn't. It's not all this a is, lie. You guys have it, been ripped. No, are you, are you no, going to do steel dossier on me? No, no, here? no. That, that, well, that some of the steel dossier yeah. was true. Okay, you know, this... Like, we've, this, we did Mueller report for three years. Yes, and, and Mueller never time, said he was innocent. And the whole time, I'm like, guys, I don't think he's a Russian plant. And everyone on CNN said is looking he, at me like I'm crazy. And at the end, we get to not much there there. Which no, was there the was case quite a bit there. There was a lot there. There was there. a lot there. Yeah. There was collusion we never had before. It was unprecedented that a president would do that. He just did it in public because yeah. he's insane. You do know... He's, he, <laughs> no, I, he's, I do think... I think one of the advantages... Of being insane. And most of it, probably none of it was illegal, right? So, I mean, this, this was it's, always David Frum's line. E everything he's doing is in plain view and it's not illegal. He's just violating every political norm we except, have. Except, except there, are things, there were things that were illegal, okay, like know, using the FISA court uh, to spy on American citizens in ways that they should yeah, not have done. That, 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 should that was legal, right. but that wasn't him. That's right. You're and the right. fact that the Hillary Clinton campaign right. was partially responsible for funding this dossier, which partially came from, but, oh, wait for it, Russian disinformation, it was a... <laughs> and it started okay, but, this cycle uh, uh, of media... Circle jerk, and then we had four years of that. I'm it's different. not exactly everything they said it was, but it's not nothing. The standard of evidence used for the Russia thing for three, four years versus the standard of evidence used now in media for Biden and Hunter Biden's shenanigans mm. and fairly obvious influence peddling is worlds apart. Worlds yeah. apart. And I would just like to... And voters deserve fairness in how these two people are treated. They do not get it, and they sometimes don't get yeah. it from law enforcement. And here's the problem. A bunch of people, including in the justice system, looked at Trump and said, he's going to bust all the norms. And you know what we need to do? Bust all the norms to stop him. And that is oh, a very, very unhealthy yeah. You guys can hear the debate. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed the show very much. Agree with show. those guys on a surprising number of things throughout the show. But on this, yes. we, we went different ways. I have to say that he had a couple funny lines in there, Bill Maher, particularly one about talking about Dianne Feinstein and said that when she was in San Francisco, somebody was using the bathroom, the sidewalk, it was for they were filming a John Waters film, which is very absurd. That's a deep pull. That's a deep pull. OK, that wraps up this. I don't even know where I'm looking at here in the camera. Okay. OK, that wraps up. This episode of Getting Hammered, remember you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course YouTube. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow us at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. And you should. You can watch me on Max. And you should. By the way, that was their first show back from yes. the strike. So that was fun. And you can tell those guys have been doing that show for a long time because it was completely smooth. Completely smooth. Yeah. And I enjoyed my half a beer and that I didn't burp on stage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.